Hello and welcome to another episode of the Show Me Mo podcast hosted by the Missouri School Plant Manager Association, MSPMA, and I'm your speaking host, Joshua Peach. Uh, excited to have episode 12 in person. I have uh, recorded three episodes here so far today in the Lee Summit Missouri Innovation Campus, which is an absolutely stunning and amazing facility where we've been here for the last two days. Yesterday, I moderated a half-day workshop with this new design that was really cool. Uh, we talked about um, getting the lead out, lead water testing, uh, LED lighting, and then indoor air quality. And that's what brings my guest to me today here with you, uh, Mr. Luke Gard, who is at, he is the Healthy Schools Program Manager and Senior Hygienist at the Children's Mercy Hospital here in Missouri. And uh, he's just a really good guy. Uh, I've gotten to talk to him a little bit and we talked through the indoor air quality program, which he was a part of. Very knowledgeable, uh, not a facility director, and we'll get into that. And uh, he brings a lot to the table. So we're going to we're going to chop it up here. So first and foremost, Luke, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for that gracious introduction, uh, Josh. Hopefully I'll live up to live up to those words. You already <laughs> did. You showed up. That, there it is, right? Well, that was easy. Uh, yeah, we, we just had a huge round of applause when we were about to start the episode. So I think that they knew that you were here and that you were coming on. Good foreshadowing. <laughs> so let's let's start off with what is a healthy school program manager? Well, that's a great question. Um at Children's Mercy Hospital, we're one of two hospitals in the country that actually has an environmental health program. And our program started in the late 90s as part of allergy, asthma, immunology. Um, we had a, a professor and uh, basically the head of that department, um, Dr. Jay Portnoy, he realized that regardless of compliance, um, asthmatics were still showing up to the ER. They were taking their medicine, doing what they were supposed to do. So he knew something was going on in the environment. He created this environmental health team. It started out as one person. We've been as large as nine. We're kind of shrunk down due to COVID. We're back down to five right now. Um, but basically, we go out into homes, schools, and daycares and assess the environment um, for contaminants, different health and safety hazards. And then we make recommendations back to the schools or back to the homeowners so that they can improve that environment, which should ultimately improve the health of the occupants. And when we talk about schools and school buildings, that's of particular importance because we know that when the child is sitting in the seat in the state of Missouri, the district is getting paid. And we also know that when that child is sitting in the seat, they have a better opportunity to learn and to perform right. versus being absent. So the long-term goal is to help districts basically reduce absenteeism, increase attendance, which ultimately should improve test scores, yeah. performance metrics, and some of those other things. Yeah, kind of common sense, yeah, right? It, yeah, it seems hey, to be common think sense. Think about this. Provide a healthy environment, a healthy learning environment that kids will want to come to. Because if you don't have a healthy learning environment, meaning that they're, they're getting sick or feeling sick or it's not a, a comfortable or or uh, we were talking about the Glade sticks yesterday, right. the Glade plugins and the perfumes and the things that can cause people to be um, uncomfortable. Uh, they're not going to come to school as much. You don't come to school as much. You don't learn as much. You don't learn as much. You don't test as well. And let's let's also throw in staff because they're really the ones, our kids oh, yeah. aren't there necessarily by choice. Right. So, I, I mean, I hate to say that, but yeah. they're not there by choice. But our staff is. And yeah. so this also Im impacts uh, teacher retention, um, that comfort level where they walk into their building. And just like you said, I feel good. I don't feel poorly right. when I go to work. 
Um, so there are some studies that have shown that it it increases employee retention as well. well and I think and and uh, the, for lack of a, a better example, um, and I'll use bathrooms. McDonald the McDonald's formula of keeping bathrooms clean and checking the bathroom every hour and having someone write that they were in there and picking, you know, the 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 uh, fact that if there's a napkin on the ground, nobody picks it up. Well, somebody will drop a napkin a whole lot easier. But along with all that stuff, if places are shiny and bright and clean, you have it does something to your to your brain. Like when you walk into this this space, it's a pretty happy spot. Yes. It's not like there's there's clowns juggling and making you laugh and telling right. you jokes. It's just a very comfortable environment. It's well lit. It's very clean. It's 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 spotless. And and just when you throw in aspects. a good teacher and, and yeah. classmates, yep. that becomes a home yes. for them. And when you throw in before and after school programs, kids are spending sometimes 10, 12 hours a day in our schools. Well, you know, I talk about this all the time. I've made the comment in multiple episodes. Um, many of our kids today, sadly, and and gladly to a point, but sadly to a, the, the school is their home. It is they, their their home with with what should be their home could be a homeless shelter. It could be a couch on a friend's or family friend's uh, house. It could be a house where parents could, aren't able it, to be there. It because could of be a schedules. house. Yeah, it could All be a house in Kansas City, Missouri that gets extreme heat and extreme cold that doesn't have proper HVAC. Yep. Um, so they're trying to spend 10 and 12 hours a day, five times a week. Um, and they're spending more wake up time in the school than they're spending at the home. That's so exactly right. The vital importance of them having that space be perfect, you know, as perfect as possible or as ideal as possible is so imperative. Um, so when you say you go out to schools and homes and daycare, are they calling you to come out to do the assessment? Are you just calling out on them? And So when we talk about the homes, it's a little different. I'll try to stick with the schools because yep. that's what we're talking about today. Yep. But on the homes, we basically take medical referrals. So a yep. doctor will refer a patient based on what they see as a lack of response to medical care, compliance. Yep. Everything's going the way that it should, but we're still seeing the symptomology. Yep. So now they're starting to be concerned about the environment at that point. So that's typically done through a medical referral. Through that program, we also have grant funding to provide like healthy home kits. So they get uh, C and it's both health and safety. They get CO detectors, fire alarms, uh, fire extinguishers, uh, doormats, sealable containers, trash cans with lids, all of those different things, again, to target pests, to target contaminants, yeah. um, all of those different things to basically make their home um, healthier and safer. When we talk about more of the schools program, we're walking into daycares. It's a little bit different in that um, we're dealing with kind of an organization or an entity. So that work is really done for them. I don't necessarily have the ability to distribute that information to the community without a release from them. So it is sort of a protected process. But all the districts that we work with, I really try to encourage them to be open and especially transparent when we talk about any of these environmental issues, because they happen to everybody. Everybody has a leak in their building. Everybody has had a chemical spill. Everybody has had these things happen. You just deal with them. You deal with them in the right way and you move on. Yep. Um, trying to cover them up or keep things hidden or any of those other things, I, I don't think does anybody um, any any due service. And it's just one of those things. Be honest. Be upfront. Let the community know what you're doing. If they have questions, 
maybe that's when they turn to an expert like me to say, how do we deal with these things? Can you be there to facilitate answering some of these questions, et cetera? Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things. And just to let you know, because you probably don't know this, but our children, our hospital has been there for 125 years. Wow. So it was started by two nuns sisters, one who was a physician and one who was a doctor. And they basically said, we need to care for children who aren't being cared for in mm -hmm. the KC metro area. So where I was going with this is, our hospital has an amazing reputation that I'd like to say I've contributed to. I certainly didn't establish, but our reputation in the community carries a lot of weight. Um, so when we walk into a place as a Children's Mercy employee, there is a certain level of, of respect, of understanding, and the appreciation that we're going to know what we're talking about. And are you working with schools just in the Kansas City area, or is this statewide? So we actually do it in the four-state region. I have been particularly busy um, since COVID in the state of Missouri, specifically working with um, the school plant managers, working with the Missouri School Nurses Association, working with Amy mm -hmm. and the school board association, and also the school business officials. Right now in the state of Missouri, in terms of a COVID response, in terms of setting up programs to create and maintain healthy buildings moving forward, whether that's from a HVAC perspective, a cleaning perspective or whatever, Missouri's really on the forefront. So I think if we can unite all four of these groups and getting get all of them sitting at that table and having the same discussion about what do we consider, like we were talking before we started this, what is a healthy school? Well, let's get everybody on the same page about what that is and let's work towards that. And I think that that... Um, again, is an opportunity that has really been afforded us through a, a trying situation, which was the pandemic, but mm -hmm. it really brought a lot of these groups together. Um, and they, all four of them reached out to us independently. And so we've all been kind of working yeah. with them, but trying to bring them together as well. And how long have you been a part of this? So I've been a part of Children's Mercy for, it's, I'm going on my 19th year. So we only had a homes program when I started. We did schools as reactive assessments I had a boss who was very understanding. And Reactive I, assessment, meaning? Meaning somebody calls. So let's say you're the facility director. You have reports of a noxious odor in a wing of the building, or you have three staff members that are reporting health symptoms in a certain part of the building. We were called to come in to react to a situation to determine what was going on. I'm not sure if the listeners are familiar with the EPA Tools for Schools kit, um, that is more of a proactive assessment tool. And kind of coincidentally, because we already had a healthy home assessment tool, we already had checklists, visual checklists. So I developed our school's checklist without actually knowing what the tools for school's checklists were, but they align fairly closely with what those are. Yeah. Um, but we basically have developed a visual checklist that allows us to go out, um, identify issues in the building. And then we have all sorts of neat scientific gadgets, laser particle counters, um, I can check for mold, um, different gas detectors, all those other things. But I'll be completely honest with you, that visual assessment, and I think that's what's important to our listeners, is 80 to 90% of what my process is. Yeah. I use all those neat gadgets to support yeah. what I'm finding with my visual assessment. So you don't need all these fancy gadgets. You need a good checklist. You need to kind of train your staff and unify them on what questions or what factors or criteria you're going to evaluate yep. and then make sure that gets done routinely. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. You know, when you say 80 to 80 to 90 percent, um, 
and and it, the the tools the, the gadgets if you will and a lot of people are, hang their hat on those but yeah. it's fundamentally based on your hypothesis and what you see visually what you smell what you hear the gadgets are validation they are yeah. they are the the supporting yep. tools for basically what your hypothesis is based on your visual assessment yeah um so how did you how did you uh because you had your first board meeting so we had amy she had yes. her first board yes. meeting so you had your first mspma board meeting and and as I said in Amy's podcast, um, I really am just so uh, excited to see the things that MSPMA is doing, like bringing in experts outside of industry, in industry, meaning a, a complementary or supportive opportunity, <clears throat> and bringing them to the table. Um, how would your first board meeting go? It went phenomenal. Um, it was very, very good, very, very informative. Um very organized as well. I we we stayed on topic. Um, yep. We went through what we were supposed to get through. Got done on time. Um, and again, just very very informational. It's a lot. Uh, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than you realize as a member. So oh, yeah. uh, again, just hearing a lot of that background stuff, whether it's conference planning, budgeting, any of those other things, it's just there's a lot going on. There's a, yeah, and they make it look like there's, there's it's not a lot. Of it's work. quiet on the so, surface, but oh, the yeah. feet are paddling under the water all yeah. the time. Yep. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm sure you know this now, and you see it is every board member is really rolling the oars. It's, yes, it is not. It is not a uh, you know eighty twenty or no. twenty eighty rule. Twenty percent of the people are doing eighty percent of the yep. work. This nope. is a this is a uh, an equal grab of, yep. of things to do. The input today came from anybody, anybody and everybody at the table. Um, yep. Just great suggestions, great commentary, great discussion. Yeah, well, I, and it was just being a, it was actually an honor being asked to join um, this association. I'd done a lot of consulting with the plant managers during yep. the pandemic, not only on ventilation but on supplemental devices, cleaning chemicals, all sorts of different things, and it, it's just been a, a pleasure to be invited to the organization. So. I want to cover a couple of things. I know we're 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 doing these fast and furious, sure. quick, quick snippet podcasts, opposed to the the hour long ones. And I could probably well, we're going to have you back on. That's already, that's already given. Yeah. Um, but what what are a couple of things? So you did your indoor air quality. Um, um, you did your indoor air quality presentation presentation yesterday, and you know one of the one of the the indoor air quality um, potential compromises was. Uh, sewer gas in the drains. And I never thought about that. It's crazy to think about 27 years. And I was like, yeah, you know, that probably makes sense. Um, what are some other, I guess, things people don't think about that could compromise the quality of the environment that people are are learning and, and uh, being in today that, you know, what are some quick, like, because I want to go over the checklist. The yeah. next thing I want to do is a checklist before we wrap up. But what are what are some what are some things that if I'm a facility director or if I'm a staff member that uh, I should be on the lookout for to prevent, you know, respiratory issues, you know, um, just discomfort, sure, uh, things like that? Well, that's a great question. Um, I'll, I'll kind of try to focus on probably two or three just to kind of keep it in that kind of realm of discussion. Um, first thing is fragrance products. So if we talk here in the state of Missouri, um, the Missouri School Board Association has actually developed policies, which many school districts, particularly rural ones or smaller ones that don't have a lot of financial yeah. um, resources, they adopt those policies. Well, in that policy, there's two tenants that particularly say one basically prohibits staff from bringing in outside chemicals 
to mm -hmm. use in the building. They're required to use uh, district approved or procured products. I see outside chemicals all the time in the building, usually mm -hmm. in an unlocked cabinet under the sink within reach of young children. Yep. The second thing that the, that policy basically discusses is the not to introduce any fragrance products into the school environment. So that can be um, plug-in air fresheners, reeds with oil diffusers, automatic fragrance dispensers. And the policy even goes so far as to state if a staff member is wearing excessive amounts of perfume or cologne, they may be even asked to kind of tone it down a little bit mm -hmm. if that's impacting the occupants. So that would be one of the things that we'd be concerned about. And it's kind of a primary what we see pretty routinely. Mm -hmm. Another thing, and it was just kind of interesting as we're sitting there and we were doing the lighting discussion yesterday, which was fascinating. I learned a lot. Um, but what I'm seeing is a lot of these teachers are being asked through more of a kind of a curriculum avenue or mm -hmm. more through the teaching avenue to create comfortable and cozy classroom environments, which oftentimes means putting in a bunch of lamps mm -hmm. and then turning off the overhead lights. So the school district does a great job of giving us what we need as far as foot candles on our task-based surfaces, et cetera. When you shut down all of the lights and then you're using lamps, you're basically creating eye strain. You don't have that task-based light level at that learning platform, that yep. desk. And then finally, I'll throw that. And again, I just heard a horror story. I was presenting on this and I was talking about torsier lamps and how they have exposed bulbs. Mm -hmm. And if those get knocked over, yep. when we look in a classroom, most classroom fixtures are going to have a lens cover over it. So if anything breaks, it's it's yep. contained, all that other stuff. Well, if you knock over a torsier lamp, you're going to have six broken bulbs. If you have the CFLs in there, you're going to have low-grade concentrations of mercury as part of your cleanup process. So these are some of the things that, again, we want to stay away from. I understand creating these, these yeah. really warm and welcoming learning environments. But if we're doing away with the things that the facilities have actually designed to create the optimum educational environment and we're not using those tools, then yeah. then again, I have some concerns about that. Yeah. And then the final thing is just what we would call the reservoirs for allergens, dusts and other contaminants. And that's going to be your carpeting and upholstery. Um, I mentioned yesterday, we score people down on our checklist when we do that visual portion of the walkthrough. But I'm not advocating that you tear this out tomorrow. Right. I'm really saying that the next time we make this decision, let's really talk about it. Mm -hmm. Because when we do a cost comparison and we're going to compare tile floor to a carpeted floor, most of those are not done realistically. How long does a carpeted floor last? Eight to 10 years. Yep. Are we going to get 25 to 30 years out of our tile floor? So then really I need to do three carpet installations to compare it to what my right. tile installation is. Also, is it easier for our custodial staff to clean and maintain a yep. hard surface floor or a carpeted surface? So all of these things tie in together where if you make the educated decision, you come to the conclusion that that hard surface flooring, we're eliminating the reservoirs. Our custodial staff can do a better job, a more efficient job at cleaning, and all that leads to is a healthier environment. Mm -hmm. And if we do need a, a rug or an area rug for, you know, our kindergartners or first graders to sit on the floor, we can put one in. Yep. But let's keep those hard surfaces, floors. Um, and then again, on the upholstered furniture, I'm not saying throw it away right now. Next time we order, let's get a faux leather, a vinyl, something that we can wipe down. Right. No, that's that's good. those would be the three that I would kind of yeah. throw at you just as kind of a starting point. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. Um, and I know we could talk about it for hours. Um, 
But the the last thing I want to talk about, and and I think maybe one day we'll we'll do a podcast where we just talk about all of the components, contaminants, because we have yeah. contaminants episode. Yep. Well, I mean, we could have an episode you and I could talk about as you listen to me oh. on pests and rodents. So yeah, oh, we could uh, talk yeah. about all of that stuff for hours for but, sure. But what I want to do uh, to close this out is to talk about the indoor air quality checklist that okay. you put together with uh, Kyle and a couple of others. Yes. Um, the where to get it. Well, how did how often should they be using it? And 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 lastly, which is again should just be common sense here, how important is it? Real important. <laughs> well, and and I think you know this is one of the things I think when you try to talk to people, especially about training and education, mm-hmm. there can be some issues with that because everybody learns a little differently. Everybody hears different things and all those other things. One of the great things about a checklist is it's a formalized process. So everybody is looking at the same criteria, the same wording. They're going to evaluate the same things, which, again, to me, strengthens that tool as as we use it. Now, when Kyle and Carl um, Holden, who are I can't remember Carl's last name, but he works at um, Holden Architects. Mm -hmm. Or Henderson Architects. Sorry, it is Carl Holden, and he works at Henderson Architects. Um, when we put together the tool, we were really trying to again focus on all the things that districts were going to be faced with during the pandemic. At that time, they certainly still apply today because um, we're still going to be concerned about infection control, disease control, those types of things in schools. But it was a holistic tool that allowed people to basically look at their building in a two-page checklist and get a quick grasp of where they stood on a variety of parameters. So whether it was cleaning, ventilation, the moisture control, um, filtration, portable devices, again, all of these things were in there to provide guidance to the schools in terms of things that they should not only be aware of and looking at, Mm -hmm. but things that they may have to provide funding for and budgeting for. And they can get that checklist. Uh, that checklist is on the MSPMA website. And that's MSPMA.com. That is correct. And we'll put that link for that checklist on there. Um, this has been this has been great and, and a lot to digest. How do people get a hold of you or how do people get a hold of the program if they want their house, school, or daycare to go through your program? And really, if you just have questions, during COVID, I did a lot of what I would just call consulting with school districts. So they were being approached by a lot of predatory vendors, unfortunately. And so I just did a lot of uh, product research, um, all of that stuff. And again, if I do it for your district, that's going to help some other district when I get the call for them. So it it serves everybody. Um, But I think that uh, during COVID, I think that's really when we sort of moved a little bit more from the day-to-day assessment into really more of the big picture and trying to work with these different groups to kind of tackle it from a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they do need to get a hold of us or our program, we're located at Children's Mercy Hospital. That's mm-hmm. childrensmercy.org, one word. And then if you need to reach me by email, it's L C. G-A-R-D mm-hmm. at C-M-H, which is short for Children's Mercy Hospital, dot E-D-U. And you are always welcome to reach out um, with any questions that you have. Um, and if I don't know the answer, I'll tell you I don't know the answer, but I'm going to find it out for you. Awesome. 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 This is this has been a great uh, for this is this is my 
third or fourth recording here today, just grabbing people that are just, they have a lot to offer, uh, not allowing them to say no, uh, telling them, you got to do this podcast episode. You got to come on here. And, uh, and, and Luke was just, he was just ready to go. So I, Chomping at the bit. I didn't, I didn't have to give him <laughs> any sort of poking or prodding or sick Charlie on him. Uh, and he came in here. So I appreciate you. Well, giving- we really appreciate you being here. You did a great job facilitating yesterday. And I think anything that, allows us to disseminate good information, reputable information moving forward. It's just, it's a value to the organization. Yeah, no, I'm glad they got you on board, my friend. And uh, I look forward to doing more and learning more from you because I learned, vice versa. I learned a ton. So I really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity today, Josh. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. And that's going to wrap it up for another episode. We're banging these out. I got two or three more to do and then catch a flight back home to Boston. Uh, people starting to think I live here in Missouri because I'm spending so much time here. But no, I'm I'm catching quick flights back and forth. Um, as always, if we're doing a good job, uh, we've got a ton of people listening. So if we're doing a good job, please hit that five-star rating and review. Uh, those rating and reviews make a big difference in how we, how we look at and how we rate it. And it lets us know how we're doing for our job. And if we're not earning your five-star rating review, let us know. Uh, Josh at BeAwesome.com. That's J-O-S-H at B-E-A-U-S-M.com. And uh, let me know. And we'll do what we can to improve our our podcast so we earn your five-star rating and review down the road. That'll do it for this episode. Talk to you soon.